0: A brand new episode of this for a podcast, the first of twenty twenty, Max. It's been forever since we chatted. You were on your honeymoon in Japan. The last time we spoke uh was for pre recording podcasts, which I believe was December fifteenth. Wow. Um yeah. Uh so Max, how you doing? How much the world has changed since December fifteenth? Lots of things have happened, that is correct. <laughs> uh how was the honeymoon, Max? it was fantastic
1: so i was in japan uh with my wife carly for two weeks and it was for both of us our first time there um highly recommend the food was awesome like we just ate non-stop for two weeks and everything we had was excellent mm-hmm. um people were very friendly there and like it was probably the most positive reception either either of us have ever gotten uh as american tourists who don't speak the language fluently mm-hmm. like typically when we've gone places uh people kind of just like inherently hate us <laughs> and and the fact that like Baffling. We're, Weird. And, the, and then we're like butchering spanish or yeah. or french or whatever language is just like annoying to them whereas in japan mm-hmm. it was like the fact that we knew like 10 phrases and we're like trying to make an effort to, to translate stuff into japanese was like super endearing it felt like and they were like pleased with that but that's good that, that felt good what was the best thing you ate mm. so on our second day there we had oysters from the fish market um mm-hmm. like raw oysters that were like the size of your palm those are probably the best thing um yeah there were a couple of sushi dinners that were really good um Every time we got ramen, it was, like, way better than anything we've ever had in the U.S. Uh, basically, I, like, honestly, everything was was so good. Like, I'm bummed now coming back and, like, Japanese restaurants here just aren't as good. And not even just sushi. Just, like, you can't find as as much variety, I feel like, in the U.S.
0: Yeah. I believe uh, I saw a picture of those oysters on your second day there. And I think I you did. Your wife on Instagram and said something along the lines of, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> They were truly enormous, and it made me very angry that I could not have them. How long is that flight from
1: Seattle, by the way? It's not too bad. It was like ten hours there, eight hours back, from Seattle to Tokyo. That's not if too you go bad. direct. Yeah, it it wasn't
0: terrible. I think like seven hours in the air is my limit. I don't know. Is that what you did for Iceland? No, Iceland was actually shorter than when I flew out to you. Oh wow! Yeah. Actually, technically, I remember when I was in Seattle visiting you, I thought to myself, I wonder if Seattle is actually the furthest I've ever been from Philadelphia. And it turns out that, like, Seattle to Philadelphia as the crow flies versus Philadelphia to Reykjavik as the crow flies. Reykjavik's, like, I think 100 miles further, maybe. Wow. (laughs) Which is, like, nothing at all. Yeah. That's weird to think about. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think, I mean, when I flew to Reykjavik, I flew, or when I flew into Keflavik, actually, uh, it was like overnight, so, you know, I was trying to fall asleep, didn't really work, but it didn't really feel like it was honestly that long, and then the way back, I was just, you know, exhausted from my trip, so it Mm kind of flew by, but uh, the Seattle flight felt long when I went out there. I don't know what it was, why it was. It's, it's it was pretty delayed. long. Maybe it's like five it. and a, it's like five and a half hours, right? Yeah, my flight was delayed like an hour, so I was already in the headspace of like I'm traveling mm-hmm. for like a couple hours before that. Yeah, so that's probably why. But yeah. Uh, so now that I've you updated missed,
1: you on the yeah. uh, on the honeymoon, tell me about what's been going on with the Sixers since I left,
0: Max. I think they stink now.
1: Mm. No, I'm kidding.
0: Um, if they had lost but not but not, night, but not really that was
1: kind of the the sense i was getting from the few games i was able to watch in japan and twitter what what uh what did what were you able to see when you were over there so i watched the bucks game um because okay. i woke up at like 4 a.m uh in japan <laughs> to watch the bucks yeah. game because i really wanted to watch mm-hmm. that one and the rest of them it was like a lot of times they'd be on it like Eight or nine in the morning. It wasn't bad, but usually we were doing stuff. So it's like if we were on a train and had Wi-Fi. So I'd like watch right. for an hour while we were doing that. So I don't. Mm-hmm. It, beyond the Bucks game, uh, until I came back last week, mostly just like snippets of games, highlights,
0: right, and and they did kind of stink. With the exception yeah. of the Bucks game, they they kind of stunk. Um, they've continued continued what I will refer to as their consistent inconsistency uh, throughout the year. Um, I'm gonna pause for one second, because I think I have to burp. Burped off mic, there we go. Um, just taking a quick peek at the season so far. Uh, and this, you know what, this makes a ton of sense, because it just felt this way. Uh, they opened by winning five in a row, then lost three in a row, then won two in a row, then lost two in a row, then won four, lost one, and then won four again. That was a good stretch, right? Then they lost one, and they won five again. That was a real nice stretch there, right? And then mm-hmm. lost three, won three, lost four, and then won one last night. Everything other than that stretch where they lost, what was that? Two games in 15. Uh, they've just been losing and winning in clumps, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with their schedule as well, because again, uh, as this is frustrating because everyone they're a much stronger home team and you want them to win as many games as possible to get that home uh, court in the playoffs, but they have not been playing well on the road at all. They have been uh, 7-12 and on the road this year, which is just not good. 17-2 and at home. Very good, you know? And that stretch after the Bucks game, there was four straight road games, so they lost all four of those. But... I mean, last time we actually spoke about a basketball game that the, they played, I believe it was about the Pelicans game on, or maybe even the Celtics game before that, which was part of a stretch of five wins. And then three losses, three wins, four losses. And those three wins, um, outside of the Bucks win, which felt really great, were like, okay, these are teams you're supposed to beat. There's the Wizards and the Pistons, right? Mm-hmm. And it was after they had lost to the Mavs, who were their tough, you know, but that was, they should have won that game. Uh, lost to the Heat. Should have won that game and lost to the Nets. Should have won that game, you know? Um, and it's again, it's very frustrating, too, because if you look at their the, the win and loss deficits here, right? You know, you lose to the Nets by 20, the Heat by four, and then the Mavs by, you know, 19, right? And then you win against the Wizards 125-108, and then you beat the Pistons 125-109, and then you beat the Bucks 121-109. Like, you just start rolling. And then, again, lose to the Magic by one, lose to the Heat by one in overtime, lose to the Pacers by a fuck-all, and then lose to the Rockets by ten. It's almost baffling how how wild the back-and-forth is. Um, in wins, Max, obviously their net rating in a win is going to be positive, and their net rating in a loss is going to be a negative, right? That's how net rating works. Mm-hmm. Uh, their net rating in wins is 10.6. So just for, if anyone doesn't know, that means... If you average out the game to a hundred possessions, uh, they will for they will outscore the other team by ten point six points. In losses, it's minus eight point one. Uh. So when they win, they win, and when they lose, they lose, which is so frustrating. You know, it would it would make a lot more sense, um, and it would feel better. Uh, For a team of this caliber, if in wins their net rating was 10.6 and in losses it was like minus two, right? Like they're barely losing. Or even if they were a more average team, if in wins it was plus three and in losses it was minus three, right? You're kind of in that cusp. But when you win games on average by double digits, averaged out like that, then you shouldn't be losing by double digits as well, you know? And that's the frustrating thing about this team. So that's what you miss, bud. Yeah, sounds really fun. Yeah, it's been great. Al Horford blows ass. Who knows, man? Yeah, what is going
1: on? All right, t- that, that's really what I want to know about what what is going on with okay. Al Horford. Because I well, left, I left, and I was like, yeah, he's been like struggling a little bit, but like he's still kind of a glue guy and like plays good defense. And then I leave, and like Twitter is just like trade him for Bertons, and like all sorts of shit. So like, what what yeah. what have I missed?
0: So I think it's a couple of things at play here, right? Um, one being he's having a rough stretch. Two being, um, we love, we love a glue guy, right? Philadelphia loves a glue guy. They love a, a scrappy whatever, right? But we really only love those guys when they are not getting paid a ton of money. hmm You know, we love Robert Covington. We loved Dario Scherich. You love, uh, I don't know, a Philly who does that. <laughs> we actually, we, I think we hate all the Phillies. At the <laughs> but... Uh, you love those guys because you're like, wow, they are playing their heart out. They're not like a su they're getting paid like a superstar, blah blah blah. But Horford's getting paid really well. And he's having a stretch of like, not so good shit. Uh he's like he just can't shoot threes anymore, it seems like. Um looking back again, so you left again, like so since since we last spoke, that last game we were talking about, uh 28.6% from three, 387 from the floor, nine points, uh, shy of six uh, rebounds, three and a half assists. I guess that explains it. Yeah. So. Uh, and then he does the thing, which is what you, you hate to see, where, you know, it's just, again, it's inconsistency across the board. Uh, in three losses, he was minus 13 plus 21 minus 14. And then in three wins, he was plus twenty one, plus twenty three, minus two. And then in four losses, he was plus five, minus twenty five, minus twenty six, minus six. So it's baffling.
1: So right? what? Are, what, are, what are the good things that have happened since I left a couple
0: weeks ago? Uh, something I never thought I would say. Max is Trey Burke time. Oh man! Finally, it is finally Trey, Trey Burke, Burke time, time buddy. Uh, we had talked a lot at the beginning of the year, uh, well, not a lot, but a little bit, about the backup point guard situation and how at the beginning it seemed like it was just a Richardson thing, and then, you know, neither Neto or Burke really played a lot at the beginning of the year at all. Uh, and then when that whole Richardson is your starting two backup one thing didn't really seem to work out all that well, um, you started to see Neto play a lot more. Um, I mean, looking at Neto's minutes, let's see here. Uh, there was a stretch there where he's playing you know, 12 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 28 minutes, 13 minutes, 12 minutes. Uh, playing a good amount of time. Uh, since the game on the 15th, again, he's had one, two, three, four, five games where he did not play. And in the other five games, he's averaged 4.7 minutes. In that same period of time, uh, there's only been one game where Trey Burke did not play. And in those other nine games, he's averaging 13.9 minutes. And there's good reason for that, right? You saw it last night where Trey Burke, um, you know, he's hot and cold, right? Any kind of volume shooter or volume attempted scorer is going to go through these stretches where they're warm. And then, like, it looks great. And then when those shots aren't falling, it's like, all right, well, all you really do is shoot the ball. So... That's not really beneficial when those shots aren't falling. But, lucky for us, shots have been falling. Uh, in that same stretch, 58.3% from the floor, 57% from three. Uh, in those 13.9 minutes a game, almost eight points. 1.8 assists. So, you know, not great. Uh, but not many turnovers either. So... I don't know if it's going to keep this way. You know, once those shots stop falling, maybe Neto comes back in again, and maybe that's why you have them both to kind of do that because Neto is really less of your scorer and more of your distributor. Um, but right now, man, it's Trey Burke time. Yeah. Is this, would you say this is more like
1: he's now definitively playing all the backup point guard minutes, or is he even taking some lead ball handling? It seemed like that was from the games I've watched oh, since I came oh, yeah. back, he's taken over some of that with Ben on the floor
0: for sure. Uh I saw something I'm going to going to butcher this stat or I can just look it up like an adult. Let me look it up. Give me one second here. Uh But yeah, there's um you see some of that last night too where the you're using Simmons off ball. Um I think there might have been a lineup last night where it was I mean, Simmons essentially is sliding to the 4, right? Or I think it was I could be wrong here. But I was at the game last night, so I think I remember a lineup of Burke, Richardson, Tobias, Ben Al. Maybe I'm pulling I this up right now. I I, 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 yeah. I think I remember that too. I'm pulling
1: it up to to make to confirm that. Um, After seeing
0: Embiid's finger get all weird, I was just loopy for the rest of the game. It was happening right in front of me.
1: So you you're right. Uh, oh wait um yeah you're right there was a there was a time in the in the fourth quarter actually for a pretty good stretch um from like the 10 minute mark down to the almost like four minute mark all three of those guys uh, were on the floor
0: the the rest and beat until he's ready to go also everyone be careful because everyone's in foul trouble because the refs are being weird as hell yeah um Oh, here's what I was looking for. Okay, so this is from the Liberty Ballers Tweeted this out. Uh, Joel Embiid of Trey, and Trey Burke have spent 154 minutes on the court together this season, which is not a ton. Uh, and in those minutes, this is have a plus 17.6 net rating. That's good. Um, again, Burke has been playing very well as of late. I'm not sure how those minutes uh, split up. If in his early in the year minutes, he didn't play any time at all with Embiid, and now he's playing more time with Embiid. Um... But he is, you know, I, I hate to bring the guy's name up because of, I think we've sworn a thousand times not going to do it anymore. But the reason you drafted Markel Fultz, right?
1: Oh, man. I got, have, I, got some, I got some heat on Markel Fultz when you're done with this. Okay.
0: The reason you drafted Fultz as college Fultz was to have basically what Trey Burke is times 20 while also being long and good at defense and athletic, right? Mm-hmm. So the general idea being, at least last year and the year before, that team was built to have a guy like that in the starting lineup and kind of move around that. And that, that prototype, that archetype, is great along with Embiid and Simmons, right? Um, whether that means Simmons is truly a four- or if Simmons and that archetype would split the lead guard role while they're playing, which it seems like they're doing a lot of, too, where Simmons... I mean, even Simmons as the one, right? When he gets the ball, he's most effective, at least to the eye test, when he gets the ball and pushes in transition off of a rebound and uses his speed and his strength. But a lot of the times, when he comes down in the half court, he just passes the ball right off anyway. So he's only really the point guard for the first five feet past half court a lot of the time. Um... And that archetype and that prototype of a player fits so well with those two guys, which makes sense why Trey Burke is fitting there and maybe why even they went after a Burke, a guy who you, you hope could facilitate a little bit more, but who can pull up and shoot, can create the own shot. Richardson's got a little bit of that in him, but not really, it's not really his main skill set. Um, and yeah, I think that's why it works with Burke. And yeah, it would work even better with someone who's like Brooke but better
1: it's so it's so clear they need that guy I mean it, it doesn't yeah. even need to be like Lou Williams or CJ McCollum if they got him right it, like or just Beal. someone or Brad Beal like it, it, that's the type of player but like god even like I don't know even 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 like Jalen Brunson would be like would be like a, a huge upgrade um I don't know. It just—I don't know where they get that guy, but it's. I feel like by the deadline they need to figure out getting uh, getting an upgrade to Burke, and I don't know where that comes from, and I don't know if that's out there, unless it's uh, Keith Pompey favorite Jamal Crawford coming out (laughs) of retirement. God, he's he's still still uh, (sighs) ringing that bell. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I I guess. I guess I have some faith that Trey Burke can be that guy. Like, he's a talented enough player. He's obviously playing really well right now. Um, I just, it just, it just sucks to be in a position where you're talented enough to potentially win a championship, despite how up and down they've been this year. Like, you look Mm -hmm. at this team and you're like, this could be the year. Um, KD's out. Uh, the if you get through the East, you have a pretty good shot against either a Lakers team that's like playing together for the first time, despite being like fucking awesome, uh, yeah. or the Rockets, who I, I think in a seven game series you have a chance against, or whoever makes it. Like I don't feel as confident after that. Once KD comes back, once you know uh, the Warriors inevitably everyone's healthy and they've just drafted someone in the top five and traded them for somebody. Um, I. It just sucks to be like, man, we're one, like, Trey Burke upgrade away from being a much better team, and we just don't have the assets
0: to get it. Um, it's also, it's very it's very Sixers that the year where they're one Trey Burke upgrade away is the year when it's, like, the universe is like, you know what? The East is really good now. Yeah. Just for Just for fun, the East is, like, really challenging and really good. Just fun stuff like that. And they're still playing really well against the top of the East, which is why you know I can't get freaked out too much but they gotta win more games and they gotta play better to get home court they have to they absolutely have to because they're not playing it's not like you know they're barely above 500 on the road and they're killing it at home they're a shitty team on the road 7 and 12 is bad it is just actually bad and that's a, that's to, about what you'd expect from
1: a 500 team.
0: Yeah, but they're not a 500 team. Because they're unbelievable at home. They need to to play better, period. And the easiest way to do that, since they're already 17-2 at home, you can't really play much better at home, is to start winning some fucking road games.
1: You should tell Brett Brown that. I don't, I don't think yeah, he... Uh,
0: he should just decide <laughs> to win games. His
1: strategy of only winning home games is really not working out. Yeah. Um, you know they got some opportunities said, coming up. They're playing in Dallas uh, over the weekend, uh, in Indiana. I think that's a that's a tougher game, but I think they can win that. Then they got the Knicks, Nets, Raptors, Hawks, mm-hmm. Celtics, Heat, Bucks. Damn, it gets tough after uh, after the Hawks yeah. game. It gets pretty tough, um, and the Bucks again. Yeah, and then it get and then oh wow, no, it doesn't. I was gonna say it gets easy because I saw the Cavs, Kings, and Warriors, but then I also saw the Lakers and Clippers. Yeah, it's uh, right. it's it's not gonna get easier.
0: <laughs> the road, the road, no. the road. Hole is not gonna get easier. Um, it's like yeah, and they're playing. They're playing Boston on Thursday at home, right? You always want to beat Boston, but I could give two fucks about winning that game if you if you gotta win some fucking road games. Being, being just 18, just beat the Pacers. Being eighteen right, being eighteen and two at home versus being seventeen and three at home. Does not matter to me, right? But getting up to like at least five hundred on the road, you gotta do that. You can't expect to win a title and have a losing record on the road. That's insane. That's not gonna happen.
1: All right, can I can I throw out the Markel Fultz heat real fast? I was hoping you forgot, but go ahead. Okay, so last night, Markel Fultz career high twenty five points. Five rebounds, four assists, two steals on eleven of twenty shooting, two of five from three. Um, friend of the pod and of the podcasters, Joe, uh, texted mm. me last night. Who would you rather have on the team right now, Markel Foltz or Al Horford? And it hurt me so much reading that. It just like was so painful. I couldn't even I couldn't even muster a real response. But then when I put out the the reminder for questions this morning. He texted me back and was like, you know what, you know what my question is. And I kind of feel like I don't even want to answer it because I kind of want Markel Fultz back. My answer is still Al Horford. <sighs> what if Al Horford, Al Horford just isn't good anymore? What if he's just like, what if this is Elden Brand 2009 through whatever, 11, all over, 2008 through 10 all
0: over again? Well, then that's bad. That's what it feels like. Al Horford is still currently shooting better than Markel Fultz from three. That's true. On on double the attempts a game. Uh, He's averaging more points. You know, Fultz is starting to put it together, and I'm happy for him. But it wasn't the stuff that he could do. It was the stuff that he couldn't, right? And that stuff hasn't really improved all that much. He was always a good ball handler, and he could finish at the rim, and he could defend. Couldn't jump shoot. Still can't jump shoot.
1: Yeah, I don't think that With shots I don't think the shots coming back. Like he went 205, 5 but he looks not this, he, year. not this year. Um obviously long term who knows. He's 21 years old, but like right. It just it sucks too because oh man, the Sixers have just had so much so many times they've had guys. I mean, obviously Ben Simmons are going through it right now where it's like, man, this guy's so good, but like, this incredibly huge flaw that doesn't make any sense or this injury that just keeps recurring. Like, it's just how weird to have a guy who is, like, you watch you watch Marco Fultz even now, and, like, honestly, his entire time with the Sixers, and you're pretty impressed by, like, everything other than the shooting. You're like, man, this guy is so quick with the ball in his hands. He's making these incredible plays on the defensive end, like, getting up and blocking shots in transition. Like, and then there's just like this one thing that's very important for a point guard to be able to do They just like can't do it all somehow. Right. Um But I, I still kind of I, I think he'd still be an, an improvement. Cause he can still do some of the things you're wanting from Burke. Like he can't shoot, but he can create a shot and create for other people.
0: Right. But what what was the reason we got El Hoford? Because we freed up the money from trading Marco Foltz
1: and not bringing No, bring like, Jared why Baller did we back. choose Al
0: Herford to bring in?
1: Honestly, because he could stretch the floor, but he's not really doing that.
0: Because no, he, he could stretch the floor to get
1: back up Embiid, but yeah. yeah but but so the idea was Embiid. that he could play alongside Embiid, and he's it's fine. But, like, honestly, if th- this is another – maybe this is a, another uh, hot take for the pod – like. I was texting with my brother yesterday about Bertons and we both kind of agreed like if the Sixers got Bertons, you'd probably just start him like, and, and he might yeah. play more than Al Horford because he's a good three point that... shooter and can stretch the floor and Al Horford shooting 34%. percent is isn't really bringing that much else. Like Al Horford's biggest uh, value that he's bringing to the team right now is if Embiid missed a few games with this finger injury, Al Horford would, yeah. would be your backup. But like Kyle O'Quinn isn't even that bad. Like it's, it's, Al Horford's a huge upgrade over over O'Quinn, but like as long like you could you don't need Al Horford to be that guy. You could just have a competent backup if that's all you're getting right. from Al Horford.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if if you had you know y- you could have won the title last year with a competent backup center, I think. You know? Um Kyle O'Quinn. if point, you had Kyle O'Quinn you could have won a championship. Yeah. The the goal here should be Acquire somebody that can either slot in as a spot starter, or acquire somebody that can shuffle the rotation around. So say, say maybe by the end of the season, right? You go into the playoffs and you're starting, let's say Simmons, Richardson, Matisse, yeah, uh, Tobias, Joel, and then Al Horford's your backup big off the bench for the playoffs. I think that's, I think that's probably what I, I don't should be the goal.
1: I think that may have even. Well, I don't know if they would, if Brett Brown would would be so quick to pull Al Horford from the lineup. But I think if if Matisse hadn't gotten hurt and had continued to play the way he was, we'd probably be talking about that a lot more.
0: But it's not even pulling him from the lineup like it's a punishment. It just might yeah. be the better situation for everybody.
1: No, I agree. But it's you know how it is. It's like yeah, I know he's he's a multi-time All Star who they brought in on a big deal this year, and it's like the the veteran on the team. But I I think. Al Horford's personality and his, you know, professionalism. I think he'd be fine with it uh, or yeah. probably be fine with it. But I think I think that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I think the other thing that, that is, if they were able to f- pull a trade um, for whoever that Lou Williams type is, I think probably you start that guy at the point guard and now Ben Simmons is, like, your point forward, right? I think that's, like, really what – and we've talked about this a lot. I think that's, like, really what Ben Simmons' future is, is being um, – more of like a super Lamar Odom and like way better like more of an impact player in your team but like playing more of that role or like the role LeBron has played in the past where he brings the ball up a lot he is still averaging seven or eight assists but you have a Kyrie Irving you have uh,
0: whoever right you have a traditional point guard who can create a shot yeah it's just I think that's I mean that's essentially the role that Simmons is playing a little bit they just don't have enough ball handling outside of him to functionally run it that way. Yeah, you know, you can't justify
1: uh, until until recently with Burke, and even then it's like pretty hard to justify taking Ben Simmons off the ball if that's right. what your even, option is. Yeah,
0: even Burke and Richardson as solid ball handlers aren't breaking anybody down off the dribble, you know. They're not shaking anybody they're not really creating much. I mean, you can do a little crossover and just all run around screens and stuff. Because and you know, I, I I've said this before too and and being at the game last night too and there's nothing worse there's no worse trend in sixers fandom than Ben Simmons brings the ball up to start the game and he's like got at least a hearty jog if not a sprint on and the second he crosses half court people start yelling shoot it's insane that's not how basketball works. no it's stupid it's
1: stupid yeah, it's stupid It's stupid. but at the same time like i don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of done with like getting mad about ben simmons take a three coward takes because like take a three coward like what the fuck like it, it's
0: like no, see up uh, no yeah, no that's see that's what i'm saying if if he's getting the ball and he's behind three-point line like he, he gets 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 a pass or whatever and he's right the three-point line there's no one around him then yell shoot do that whatever but when he's bringing the ball up and there's obviously a set play being run and like as he's bringing it up like Richardson's coming on a curl for like a dribble handoff up behind the three don't scream shoot because it's never going to happen because they're running a set play
1: you know yeah no I know I I mean it's I think in that case it's more like tongue in cheek but it's I just don't have much sympathy at this point because it's like of course he's getting that treatment because it's ridiculous that he has not taken a three since november 30th or no i'm sorry he took one december 10th but like it's not even the threes it's like that rockets game i tweeted this out um like just as a. it was like watching it watching it happen is just like so frustrating but like he gets the ball with like three seconds left on the shot clock 12 feet away wide open and he starts dribbling around and then passes it off to richardson with like one and a half seconds left like dude just like take a 12 foot jumper like what like it's Uh, And he's not bad at them. It's like, that's the thing that's so frustrating. It's not a Markel Fultz last season or the season before situation where he's just like, there's something off. Like, I got why Markel Fultz wasn't taking those shots because he wasn't capable of doing it. Ben Simmons is like, fine. Like, I honestly think if he took the same number of threes that Giannis took, by the end of the season, he'd be shooting them about what Giannis is shooting them now. Like, I don't think he's much worse than that. Like, Giannis clangs stuff off the side of the rim or airballs like, Every game I see that. It's fine. Like it that's not your strength, and that's fine, but like it's ridiculous that you're just not even doing it. And like clearly Brett Brown is pissed off about it. Like he's yeah. throwing as much shade as he possibly can without pissing off Ben Simmons and his people. But like it is just not to use WIP talk, but it is a joke. It's like it, it's really it's really a joke watching it. It's like, man, it it's regressed from The beginning of the season, from even, like, last season, just shooting mid-range shots. Like, that was... He was, like, slowly stretching his game out, and now it's just none of that. You don't even see uh, those, like, runners where he's turning and kind of shooting almost like a hook, but it's with his shooting hand. Like, not even that. It's just all at the rim.
0: Yeah. I mean... You can, put, you can put that all on Ben if you want to, but I don't think, you know, Brett's not off the hook there either because the couple of threes he hit, he did take this year, not counting the preseason one. You know, he's sitting in the corner, right? And they passed the him on the corner and it's a catch and shoot situation. I don't see him sitting in the corner very much. So either they're not calling the play like that or he's just not listening. It feels
1: like he's not listening because <laughs> it doesn't make sense. With the position he gets himself into is just getting in the way a lot of the time. That's the other thing is that it's like, when he when he does stand in the corner it frees things up a lot even though there's like not really much of a threat for him to shoot it's when he's like in the dunker spot and you're trying to create some action off the ball it's like just not working because everyone's packing the paint because they don't have to spread out at all
0: like even if he just never took a shot just like be a decoy out there at least and i think that's the spacing issue too that comes in with horford's inability to currently shoot yeah. the ball from range at least too um yeah that's 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 how the team's been uh do you want to do you want to take a couple of questions we, we have so, a- well
1: uh yeah let's take a quick break yeah. and then let's go to questions all right so we're back with some questions um let me see what i got here we're gonna start with uh matisse three bowl asks do you think a team will bite on mike scott and zaire uh, are there any other players we have that could be in a trade? Like basically, I I agree with with this take that like that's kind of if you're thinking about a trade at midseason, just in terms mm-hmm. of matching salaries, in terms of giving up anything of value, but not Matisse Thybul. It's basically Zaire Smith or the second round picks they have this year, which are decent because they're from the they have a Knicks pick, uh, which mm-hmm. will be high. But yeah, beyond that, I don't think they really have much they can trade. Like I don't want them to trade Richardson. He's the only other young youngish guy with value. Um, yeah. I don't think Al Horford has value right now. I don't want them to trade... There's really no one else they could trade. Like I don't think it makes any sense to trade uh, Tobias Harris unless you're doing in a much bigger deal where you're getting someone very good back. But the Sixers, right. Will, right now, they're projected to have the 31st and 33rd pick. So those are obviously things that are valuable mm. that you can throw in. Although, honestly... An early second-round pick. Uh, a couple of them probably are things you want to keep, just so that you can um, so you can them. get was sell them. <laughs> so you can sell them for cash. Yeah. Now, so you can like mm-hmm. so you can build up your bench a little bit. The way the Warriors have, you know, like that's what you do when you've maxed out your salaries. You just you try to hit on some second-round picks, um, yeah. which is way easier to do at 33 than it is at 47 or whatever. Um, they'll probably trade say, the 50th say, and 51st pick, which they also have. Yeah.
0: I'd say uh, James Ennis is, is some value. Yeah, um, I like James Ennis though. I like Ennis though, and I like, you know this he's this, probably he's more valuable you, to us you, than to other teams. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, but like, yeah, like like Jonah Bolden has no value at all.
1: Yeah, I like, so I don't even consider Jonah the- Bolden like another guy. This is like more guy I'd like to bring up, but uh, Shayok, I think at some point. Maybe they bring him up, uh, use some of that two way mm-hmm. showcase, if not showcase him, just like see if he can do something. But right, yeah, he's actually looked really good in Delaware. So like, I I think he's the only other guy. But it's like so little value. It's a guy they just drafted yeah. who's not even playing in the league. Like it would have to and be like, he'd come yeah. up and he'd like look really good and he'd be a throw in that someone would be kind right. of interested in. Not like. Mike Scott and him for someone significantly better than Mike Scott. Like that's not gonna happen. Right,
0: yeah. And even like someone like Neto who's not really playing right now, like he makes so little money that there's really nothing you can other than just throwing him in to, to even something out. There's nothing really much to do with it.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I think too, like, even even Zaire Smith probably isn't that much incentive for another team. No. Like he he we're hardly even talking about him, like as right. anything, as coming back this season, as what he looks like next season in the rota- like we're just mm-hmm. kinda assuming he's nothing. Matisse Seibel's obviously that guy, but I really don't want to trade him. I'd be really upset if they yeah. traded Matisse Seibel in anything less than like a big superstar deal where they're trading like let's say him and Horford or him and Richardson or Harris and getting someone way better back. Like I right that's the only time I'd really consider it. Mm-hmm. Um moving on. Sorry my phone's acting up uh Okay, so we have some, some specifically some trades. Uh, I guess we'll keep with that because we just asked a trade-related question. I, I asked, give us some questions or some Davis Berton's trades. Uh, this mm-hmm. person sent us a screenshot of the trade machine uh, getting Davis Bertons and Ish Smith, uh, which I don't know if Ish Smith. I love Ish Smith. I don't know if Ish Smith solves any of those problems. Like I just don't think he does. He doesn't create in the way that, like, I'd, I'd probably rather still play Trey Burke over Ish Smith, yeah. even though Ish Smith's probably better. Um, you're giving up Mike Scott, Kyle Quinn and Zaire Smith. And I don't know if that, I guess maybe that does it just because Bertans is expiring and the the Wizards don't really care to, to right. keep him for the rest of the year. But, like, they'd probably rather have a chance at re-signing him than get Zaire Smith, um, if I'm them. I probably feel that way.
0: Yeah, I'd probably feel that way too, honestly. Maybe if you give
1: him a second round um, pick, that's a little more likely. Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that, Look,
0: though. I know Burton's doesn't address the team's greatest need, but I like him and I want him. Um, See, so yeah, I don't know about that one, honestly.
1: Uh, another Scott and Zaire and a second trade. Uh, it
0: kind of has to work that way. That's Vin- like how the yeah, money
1: works. Yeah, Vince oh. Williams asked. Vince Williams 28. Asked uh Blake Griffin has season ending surgery. This is like if he does. Uh the Pistons fold and trade Derek Rose. Would would Scott, Zaire Smith, and a second make it work? Um it would be really hard for me if they got Derek Rose, but
0: I Yeah, I has, have zero interest in that. I'm giving yeah,
1: shit. Yeah, Derek Rose is such an asshole, but like he's he's playing really well. Um nope. if we're just looking at him as a player, if we're just, like, just putting aside everything else, um, I probably think that gets it done. And I do think he actually is exactly what we're talking about in terms of a fit. If you could just give me Derrick Rose, who's not Derrick Rose, that would be awesome. But... Yeah. Yeah. But no. No, thank you. But I think that I think that's about what you need to give up, right? Like giving up Zaire and a high second to get a guy like yeah, that on, a, on an expiring. Nice. Um, but also, no. <clears throat> this is not a, a Bertans trade, uh, but bad name 1234, Jake asked, uh, ah, man, this is tough. <laughs> the, the Sixers are giving up Al Horford and Zaire Smith and it looks like our one of our early seconds, or no, two seconds. We're giving up a uh, late second and an early second. So, mm-hmm. Smith, Horford, two seconds. Uh, they're getting back Chris Paul <laughs> and uh, the Thunder are also getting Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee in the deal. And the Mavericks are getting Al Horford. I kind of hate this. I, I as much as it kind of fits exactly what we just said of like getting a point guard who can create. I just I man I I really don't want Chris Paul. I don't know. I think I think probably that's a good deal, but I just can't bring myself to to be cool with that.
0: So again, see, it's us getting
1: Chris Paul, Chris, just giving up Zaire a couple seconds and
0: Al Horford. Fine with Chris Paul as a player. I like Chris Paul a lot. But what happens next year when you have to pay him like forty three million dollars? That's the thing.
1: Yeah. At and least also, at least Al Horford's like declining in salary right. and has a partially guaranteed deal. Although I think I think that partially guaranteed year for Chris Paul is just the end of his contract's over at that point. It ends
0: in that yeah. final year that Al Horford's deal has. But I also need, in this case, there has to be another kind of deal, whether it be a buyout guy or something, because like you need to replace uh Better, you have to have a better Embiid backup now. You can't. I don't think you can. I mean, I don't think you rely on Kyle O'Quinn as your stop the defense from scoring while Embiid rests. I don't think you can do that. Mm-hmm. So you need to bring somebody else in in a separate deal to to do that. I, I don't. I don't get rid of Horford unless you can replace him with someone who can do that, or bring somebody else in a separate deal. That's going to be the most important thing. That was that was the most important thing last year. And... You can't get rid of that. You have to fill that spot somehow. You know, I kind
1: of wonder, as I'm thinking about this trade, um, would it make sense if you're just thinking about salary? Like, you're giving up Al Horford, you're getting back Paul, who makes 38.5 this year, 41.5 the year after that, and 44 in 2021-22, and then his deal's over. Like, if you just had him for the next couple years, and then he's a $44 million expiring In Uh two years two seasons from now would that not be like super valuable to be able to take that expiring and turn that into something in the last year of Chris Paul's deal
0: yeah but like what could you turn it into that's 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 the big question right In, in in hypothetical sure yeah but what does it mean in practice well
1: hypothetically hypothetically you're getting another Chris Paul like you're you're taking Chris Paul's expiring and trading it for Whoever the like kind of Chris Paul equivalent is in a few years, like a guy just making kind of like Blake Griffin a few years ago, where he was kind of washed, or people thought he was washed, he's making a ton of money for the next five years, and the Pistons come in and get him for not that much. Like that's kind of what I'm right. thinking is like you you go get a guy who has three years left on a deal and is making a lot of money, uh, like let's say Dame, uh, you know signs an extension or you know someone who's older who's like maybe declined at that point. Like you kind of just. You kind of just run it again with a Chris Paul type, but I don't know. I was just interested in the flexibility yeah. that gives you to, to then have that huge expiring, but also that I mean, might, that's I, a
0: possibility. I also, d- I'm not
1: totally sure how the, um, the apron works with that too. That could mess things up. Yeah. You're going to be well over the apron.
0: Yeah. And you can't make that deal with that in mind. Like, Oh, in a couple of years we'll flip it because that's, you know, there's not, if you know, it could not work that way. And you have to eat all that money. <laughs> You know, otherwise people would trade for gross contracts all the time. But yeah. instead, people have to dump them and have to attach things of real value to dump them.
1: All right. So we have a couple more questions. Um, okay. A couple more that I like that are uh, just very random questions. Um, <laughs> this person's name is Only Cops Hated Rise of Skywalker. Um, would you rather go to jail for a year or jail for however long it takes you to solve a Rubik's cube?
0: So I resent this question because it implies that it would take me longer than a year to solve a Rubik's cube. I think
1: cube? it would take me longer than year. like I I've tried before and have like looked I, when I was a, I haven't done it in a long time. A but when year? I was like ten years old, I remember looking up how do you do it online and like trying to figure it out. And all I could do was get those like try those like uh triangle kind of shapes going on all the sides but i could never get it past that point and it would just be so imagine being in jail for like three and a half years and you still haven't solved this rubik's cube and you could have been out before because i'm also assuming you don't have access to the internet you don't just have the ability to look up how do i solve a rubik's cube you just need to figure it out if you don't already know yeah i like think i'm taking i think i'm taking a, a year i think I i'm taking
0: it. a year in jail like i i taking the cube
1: have you ever solved a Rubik's Cube before?
0: No, but I've never had the looming threat of staying in prison over oh, my head while man. trying to figure it out.
1: That, that's an interesting... I like that question a all- lot. Like, no. It's really hard. It's, it's really complicated, and like, unless you know how to do it, or just naturally go with those kind of things, like it, you might never figure it out. You might. It might be a life sentence if you're but not able point, to look anything it.
0: up. Yeah, it probably it's if it takes me the rest of my life to solve a Rupert's Cube, I deserve to be in jail. <laughs> um, like if I'm in prison and I'm figuring out while I'm in there, right? Yeah, I, I have I could work on that thing for 10 hours a day. Easy. Like, come on. All I'll right. Done in a couple months. <laughs> I, I really like that question, though. Um, order a Rupert's Cube in Amazon.
1: Caitlin overall asked, this is our last question. If you could only have salt or pepper for the rest of your life, which would you choose? I think it's like the easiest "would you rather" question of all time. Like, definitely, you're taking salt. Like pepper, oh, I don't 100% even. Salt. Like, if you forget to put pepper on on your pasta or in pepper. your eggs, yeah, black pepper. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I would even say if you're including like spice, like if you're including like all spices other than salt, I think I'm still taking salt. Like if we're oh, if yeah, we're not allowing you to again. give, if we're not allowing any like salt equivalents I don't know if there's something out there that like kind of does the same thing like if you're not allowed to use like soy sauce or something that like brings the same flavor if you just couldn't have saltiness um but you could have cumin and paprika and like I I love using those spices but like take all of them I'm keeping salt like if you forget to put salt salt in something it is so abundantly clear that you've done that like, if you make scrambled eggs and don't put salt in them, they suck. If you forget to put the pepper, you might be halfway through and you're like, oh, man, I forgot to put pepper in these. I've never missed pepper in a dish.
0: I don't really like black pepper. Yeah, it's whatever. It's very easy for me. If you're ever eating anything and you have some black pepper in there and there's like a uh, black pepper, like, uh, like a cracked black pepper, and there's like a kernel that's not full cracked Ooh. or whatever, and you like bite into it, it ruins the meal for me.
1: <laughs> you just leave. You leave the restaurant.
0: Yeah. Get up
1: and walk out. Um But do you agree though that like all spice other than salt and salt related spices versus just salt and salt related spices, you're probably taking the salt. Yeah. Yeah. I think Easy. so too. Easy. Cause you could do you know, like any vegetable with salt tastes good. Like Anything with salt. Anything with salt. Like, I, I'm just thinking, like, what would I do if I couldn't have any other spices? And I like, think there's a lot of things that, like, because now you can't have. I mean, there's so many spices we're probably not considering that we'd really miss. And I would miss spices, but, like, I just think none of those things would taste good without any salt.
0: Yeah, um, if you're given one, like, you can only add one kind of seasoning to anything for the rest of your life, I'm taking salt.
1: Definitely. No question. Yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, the end of our questions and the end of our podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Um. We'll be back next week after hopefully the Sixers uh, put some wins together. And uh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: Yeah.